Well, we begin a new series today. It's a four-week series uh, called Broken People. Broken People. Um, I'm going to be honest. I was actually going to be, uh, do another series, and then I think last week the Lord just uh, pressed in my heart. said, God, I don't want you to start that series yet. I want you to, I want you to wait another month. So I said, all right, we're going to do that. So I want you to talk about broken people. It just, this, it just kept coming up in, my, in, in conversations and um, in, in just my time with the Lord. And, but this, this series is about how God can make broken people beautiful again by giving them a purpose in his grand plan, in his great scheme of this life. Have you ever, don't raise your hand, but have you, have you ever felt broken? Have you ever felt broken? There could be some people here today or watching online. Maybe you feel even broken right now. It could be because of a, a big mistake, which you now live with regret, or it could be because of what others may have said or, or thought about you, or it could be because of some bad circumstances that were beyond your control that keeps beating you down and down and down. I'm going to tell you, you're not alone. You aren't. This room is full of broken people. We're all broken. The Bible is also full of broken people. And what are we going to uh, learn in this series is that God loves working with broken people. You know why? Three simple reasons. Broken people have a need for God. Broken people have a need for God. You ever have people in your life that are like, man, they're just, they just don't get it. They just don't get it. And it takes something drastic in their life to where they're, where they're broken. Maybe, maybe there's a health issue or, or, or maybe they lose their job or, or a death in the family or just something traumatic in their life. And, and, and they're broken before the Lord and they find themselves in need of God. Broken people are in need of God. People who don't recognize their brokenness never understand their need for God, and they refuse to call out to him. A second reason why God loves broken people is broken people help other broken people. Broken people help other broken people. I believe the, the experience you face and I face in life is not just for you, and it's not just for me those experiences happen so you can turn, you in turn can help someone else. How can you help me overcome if you, how, how can you help me overcome if you've never had uh, to do the same, walk through the same road? If you've got people in your life that need help in a certain area and they're broken in a certain area, you're able to help them much better because you walked through that. You've walked through that. It could be cancer could be a divorce, could be bankruptcy, could be just simply running from God. Because you've been in that place of brokenness, guess what? You can now better minister to people who are broken in that same spot. Now, I'm a huge fan, a huge believer in the fact that God uses broken people to minister to broken people. I see it all the time. God loves using broken people. They need for God. They help other broken people. And then the third thing is 
There's a tr- they are a trophy of God's grace. Broken people become trophies of his grace. You probably heard the, the real life stories of people who done some bad things and suddenly turned their life around to follow Jesus. I mean, truly follow Jesus. Legit. Like 180 degree, repent and just follow Jesus. They are a trophy of his grace. They are put in the trophy case called grace. The amazing grace of God. And that's one of the biggest ways God can show his power in people's life when they look at people and they say, you know, this person used to do this. This person used to believe this way, but now they're doing this. What has changed? The mighty power, grace of God is what changed them. And God loves that. He loves broken people. Now, he doesn't love for you to walk in brokenness. No. It's not his plan. But we do know that broken people have a need for God. They help other broken people, and they are a trophy of his grace. So today... As we start this series, we're going to visit a familiar story about a man who did just that, who was broken, came to the point of brokenness, and yielded his life to God's plan. It is a true story found in the book of Judges, and it's about a man named Samson. Now, if you have your copy of God's Word, we're going to be in, uh, in Judges chapter 14, Judges in the, in the Old Testament. In fact, it's at, right after Joshua. Joshua, Judges. We just got through doing a sermon series on Joshua. So Joshua, and then we have Judges. And so we're going to lean in on this story of Samson. If you don't have your copy of God's Word, uh, we'll have it on the, on the screen as well. And so where does Samson fit in this biblical timeline? We, we just finished Joshua. Uh, they entered the Promised Land. And then after the death of Joshua, the Israelites settled in the Promised Land and found themselves for the first time in their lives without a leader. Without a leader. I mean, they had, they had leaders in slavery in Egypt, not good leaders, you know, Egyptian leaders. And then Moses came. God sent Moses. And then the death of Moses, God sent Joshua and led them into the promised land. And so now they find themselves, hey, no leadership. We're void of leadership. They didn't know how to conduct themselves because they couldn't lead themselves well. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They adopted the sinful practices of idolatry and pagan worship from all the neighboring tribes and nations around them. They found out that when there's no godly leadership, sin will flourish. When there's no godly leadership, sin will flourish. We see this in, in our own lives. When, when, when mom and dad aren't around, <laughs> think about it. When mom and dad are around, man, things just you know, cops show up, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, just things could, could happen. Not every time, you know. And when the boss is away, right? Come on, for those of you who, who work in a, at a company or, play, you know, maybe in a school and the principal's away, everything's kind of a little bit loosey-goosey, right? All right? I'm not saying that sin, you know, creeps in, but, the, you know, it's like you just kind of relax a little bit more, Right? So that's what happened in the Israelites in the new land. The pattern of behavior in the book of Judges is clear all throughout Judges. The people, here's a pattern. The people rebelled against, uh, the people rebelled through idolatry and disbelief of God. 
God brought judgment through foreign oppressors, foreign uh, tribes and nations come in and attack them. Then God raised up a deliverer, or in this case, a judge, and the people repented and turned back to God. When the people fell back into sin, the cycle started all over again. It's just this constant cycle. The time period of the judges lasts between the death of Joshua to the crowning of the first king, Saul. And that lasted a span of about 300 years. 300 years of deliverers, of judges, of the Israelites going into idolatry, worshiping other gods. And God saying, mm, no, I, I, I keep telling you, you can't do that. In comes the oppressors, and uh, you have people like the Philistines come in and, and oppress them, and then God ri- raises up a, a judge or a deliverer, and there's several different judges or deliverers, and Samson's just one of them. So that's basically how Samson fits in what's happening in this timeline. So Samson's story starts with an angel telling a woman she was going to have a son, a child who would grow up with special abilities. The angel told, told the woman she should never let her son's hair be cut because God wanted him to be a Nazarite, meaning dedicated to God from the womb. A Nazarite dedicated to God. The symbol for a Nazarite was their long hair. And more importantly, hair that had never, ever been cut, ever. And Nazarite's hair was an outward, always visible sign that he was set apart for God. So Samson's special ability wasn't necessarily because he had long hair. Samson's ability was his strength. And you have probably heard a little bit of this story, of his strength. And his strength is, he's known as the strongest man that that has ever lived. He was blessed by God with superhuman strength. Before there was Captain America, there was Samson. Although Samson's strength was legendary, we even know it today, he's actually notorious for his weaknesses. He's actually notorious for his weaknesses. Even with tremendous God-given potential, again and again and again, he made bad decisions, ultimately sabotaging the life he could have had. But even with the flaws, Samson was chosen by God to help deliver the nation of Israel out of the claws of the Philistine nation who ruled over them at that particular time. Samson thought he was immune and exempt from God's decrees. You know, I don't, I don't really necessarily need to follow those. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the ruler. I mean, I, I'm the judge. I'm the deliverer. I mean, those are for the little people. I mean, I'm, I've got special abilities. I don't necessarily need to follow those. Those really aren't for me. His biggest problem was actually his ego. His biggest problem was his ego. Samson thought too highly of himself. And he edged God out. Ego. Edged God out. That's what happens when our ego gets the best of us. When our ego gets the best of us, we sort of edge God out of our lives. Say, you know, I got this. I got this. You may have seen it play out in your life as well. 
And there are seasons in my life that I've, I've edged God out. So what does it look like with Samson? And what can we learn from that? Because I want to answer the question you may be asking. What does this have to do with me, Pastor Frank? What does this have to do with me? How can, how can Samson's life fit, fit into my life? Well, I really believe that God's going to speak to your, to, uh, to your heart today as he's spoken to mine. And one thing we learn from Samson, there's three things that we learn from Samson, Samson that helps him to edge God out, use his ego. Number one is pride. Number one is pride. If you look at uh, Judges 14, 1 through 3, Judges chapter 14, 1 through 3, it says, Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all of our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But, as, but Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. Our ego is often expressed in our pride. Samson lived in a town of Zorah with his parents. Timnah, the, 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 the village, the town of Timnah was about four miles away in enemy territory, Philistine territory. Now, why was Saul in enemy territory? He abandoned his friends to visit his enemies where he found a forbidden woman because God had forbidden people, the Israelites, to intermarry with other pagan nations. He made that very clear. But yet, here's Samson wanting, hey, here's a Philistine woman. She's good looking. And I can pretty much have anybody I want because I'm like, have you seen me lately? Right? I can have anybody I want. Pride. Pride stepped in. Samson was actually looking for trouble. He was too proud for Hebrew girls. He insisted that his parents um, get him a wife, even though the scriptures commanded. He was too proud for that. And he was also too proud for parental advice. Too proud. Son, I, I, don't, I don't think this is good for you. You're, you're not obeying the word of God. You're not obeying God's decrees. And he did not heed the advice of his parents. Pride steps in. Too proud for Hebrew women and too proud for his parents. What's another way we see that, that, Dan, uh, that um, Samson edged God out, used his ego? We see it in his disobedience. Look at chapter 16, verses 1 through 2, just a couple of chapters over. Chapter, Judges 16, 1 and 2. One day, Samson went to Gaza, different town, we saw a prostitute. Well, now we're getting to another level, aren't we? He went in to spend the night with her. Come on, Samson. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, um, saying, at dawn, we'll kill him. Now, obviously, Samson's in a little bit of a predicament because, and you can read that later, how he gets out of that and everything. But let's focus on the real problem. The problem is not that there are some people who have surrounded him and have planned to kill him. The problem is that he is in another pagan country. He's in Gaza 
and with another Philistine woman, and he is spending the night with her. Not only that, but she is a prostitute. Samson has gone over the deep end. He's moved from pride, and when that pride lingers, guess what? We move to another stage, and that is disobedience. It's disobedience. You know, parents, we see that many times in our children as we raise them. But guess what? God sees that in us as he raises us. If we allow pride to linger, disobedience will happen. You know, when, when in history of mankind is it ever good to go and spend the night with a prostitute? Never. You know, Gaza was actually the headquarters of the Philistines. So not only is he showing disobedience, he's showing even bigger pride. He's like, you know, this other town, Timna, that's a little village four miles away, but I'm going to go 25 miles away, and I'm going to go right into the heart of the Philistine camp, and I'm going to go in there, and I'm going uh, to have a good time with the prostitute. The ego of this man. You know, Samson was not doing his job, but instead going to be with a woman he was not supposed to be with. Our strength is broken when we edge God out with our disobedience. Let me ask you a question. What is something that God could be calling you to do that you haven't obeyed yet? Or you're still trying, but you haven't done that yet. Is there something in your life as you're looking and as you're searching and you know that God's calling you to, hey, I I need you to take care of this. I need you to go talk with that person. I need you to send that person a note card. I need to offer forgiveness, okay? Uh, I need you to go, I need you to go see the doctor. You know what's been happening in your body. I know you're scared, but I need you to go see a doctor, okay? Uh, I'm calling you to be, be kind, to be gentle, but you're not being kind, you're not being gentle to those you love the most. Could be something like that. Whatever God is calling you to do, is there something he's calling you to do and have not obeyed that yet? I want to search your hearts. As I search mine as well. So we see that, that Samson had pride, and we see that Samson had, had disobedience. And then third, we see Samson edged God out through self-reliance. Self-reliance. So pride, disobedience, and self-reliance. Samson ends up marrying the next woman he meets, Delilah. Delilah. What an evil woman who told the Philistines the secret power of his strength. Our ego is expressed in our self-reliance. When you rely on your position, your reputation, or your strength to defeat the enemy, you will not last. And we even find that after Delilah told the Philistine army, sort of the secret of his strength was, a, was his hair, and he cut it. The Bible says God, the Spirit of God left him. When fighting the real enemy, your position will not 
protect you. Whatever position you hold in your life, it will not protect you. Your reputation will not restore you, and your strength will not sustain you. Samson forgot that his strength came from God. His strength came from God. After Delilah convinced him to fall, um, him to tell the secret of the strength, the officials came, caught off his hair. And we see this in, in verse 16, um, chapter 16, verses 20 through 21. And it says this, then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke up from his sleep and thought, I'd go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles, then set him to grinding grain in the prison. Gouged out his eyes. He's pushing a, a grain grinder just in a circle with this, whatever strength he has that usually is done with, with an ox. But he's pushing and he's just doing that with whatever strength he has. When you have edged God out with your ego, pride, disobedience, self-reliance, then the fight is over. The fight is over. You have messed up big time. Have you found that your strength is broken to pieces because of the slow process of edging God out? Maybe you have certain strength to, to withstand certain things in your life and you just are too tired to keep up the fight. Could it be that maybe there's some things in your life that you have sort of edged God out? Now you may say, well, Frank, so this message is about how God uses broken people. So where's the hope? (laughs) Where's the hope? Because we understand, we get this, we get that, that, that we can be broken. I understand that I can edge God out with my, with my pride, my disobedience, my own self-reliance. But where is the hope? Because, Frank, I know what you're talking about. I've been there. I could, you could be there right now. It doesn't matter. And so the hope is this that we find in Samson that his strength does return. It doesn't end with Samson pushing grain, a grain grinder for the rest of his life. Samson has another opportunity to be used by God. He was still broken, but the Lord gave him strength. At a huge celebration for their their fake God, the Philistines brought out Samson, as you see in, in chapter 16, verses 25 through 30. Chapter 16, verses 25 through 30. While they were in high spirits, so this is the Philistines, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Because remember, he's blind. Now, the temple was, 
crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform whatever he was going to do. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And let me, with one blow, get revenge on the Philistines from my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all of his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more than when he had died than when he had lived. Samson made some really bad choices. And here he was, an Israelite, someone chosen by God, part of the the Hebrew people, the the chosen nation. Not only that, he was chosen by God to be a deliverer or a judge for his people. And yet, his ego of edging God out and using pride, disobedience, and self-reliance got him in this situation. But God wasn't done with him. There's two words I want to bring out in that last passage. It's real simple. Remember me. Remember me. Remember me. You know, it's the same words the thief on the cross shared to Jesus. Remember me. Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. You may think that some things you've done in your life, that maybe you're living with some regret, or, or you may know some people in your life that, man, it's, it's hard for them to, to get back on this life because they're just, they're just going through a lot of stuff right now. And maybe they're just living in, in lots of regret from, from past mistakes. They can still be used by God. All it says is this. All, all they have to do and all you have to do is this. Lord, remember me. Remember me. Please. That's all it takes. Can I tell you? He wants to use you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what brokenness you brought yourself into. Now, we're going we're gonna to be talking about different types of brokenness throughout this series, but today's brokenness is, is caused by our own actions. There are some different types of brokenness, but today the focus is when we've done something wrong in our life and we're living with regret and we just can't get over that, then... Can I be used by God? The answer is yes, you can. All you have to do is cry out to the Lord. Remember me. Remember me. Just like I said earlier at the beginning of this message, God loves using broken people. Broken people have an understanding, a need for God. They do. And they know how to minister and to help other 
broken people. God wants to use you to help others. And then finally, he wants you to be a trophy of his grace. He does. So I'm I'm too far gone. No, you're not. Look what Samson did. (laughs) You're not too far gone. God wants to use you. He does. Just cry out to him. And, and, and if you, it's difficult for maybe you to relate with this, I guarantee you there are people in your life that you can share this message with. You may think it's too late, but it's not. Just cry out to the Lord. Lord, remember me. I've done these bad things, but just, just remember me. Let me be used by you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As we go into this time of, of closing on this service, I want you to just search your heart. Maybe you've had a time in your life where, where you felt like you have edged God out. Your ego was so strong and pride stepped in and, and led to disobedience and then led to self-reliance and here you find yourself on this island and it's just you by yourself. If that's you and you feel like you can't be used by God, just know this. God just wants you to call out and say, remember me. Remember me. Can you just, just say that to the Lord in your heart right now? Remember me. Remember me. He wants you to be used. If there's any unconfessed sin in your life, just confess that right now. Confess that un, unconfessed sin. Say, God, I'm... I'm sorry, Jesus, please forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for for disobeying you. You've been telling me to do certain things. I I just haven't done it yet. Please give me the strength. Remember me and help me. Help me to walk in your grace. Help me to forgive myself and remember me. Remember me, dear Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never asked Christ to be Lord and Savior of your life, you could do that. Whether you're here or watching online, it's real simple. It's just a simple prayer of saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I may not understand you, but I believe in you. Please forgive me my sin. Please come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, I hope that this, um, this message, you know, spoke to you today. Um, and, and there could be someone in your life that I would love for you to share either this message. They can uh, bring it to our website, lakepornonline.com, or you could just share some of these words to them. And uh, just to let them know, hey, it's not too late. They can still be used by the Lord. Um, but hey, we got three more weeks of this of how God uses broken people. There's some uh, other great stories and other men and women in, in, in uh, scripture that we're gonna walk through on that. I want you to come back. 
invite a friend, um, and just know this. We're all broken people, and God can use every single one of us. Just a reminder, as we leave today, we are, um, we're praying around the school. If you can maybe hang out for a few more minutes, and we have a prayer guide, and uh, we'll have uh, some people open the hallways up, and you can pray throughout the schools, and uh, if you can't stay for a few minutes, that's fine. You can bring that prayer guide uh, with you as you leave, and you can pray, spend that time praying uh, for them um, as well. And, um, and as, we, as we finish that prayer time, you can come back. For those who want to help sack up the chairs, uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be good for that. We we'll love you guys. We'll see you all next week. Thank you.